This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here today with Spring and Andrew, your favorite sex people on the internet who <laughs> talk to you about sex things and relationship things, will really talk to you about anything. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a weekly podcast where we answer your questions about sex and relationships and pretty much anything in between, and we're really excited to be here with you. How are you today, Spring? Great, and I love this theme we have going for October, which is sexual dishonesty or sexual honesty, depending on which side of the coin you're on. And or maybe we should call it a continuum. Everything's a continuum, right? Everything is fluid. So yes, this fluidity of sexual honesty and dishonesty is what we're exploring this month. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about our topic today. Are we introducing it yet? Wait, is it still a secret? Do you want to talk more about it first? Oh, oh, what's the yeah, order? I mean... <laughs> I mean, we should just lie to everybody and make up some <laughs> random questions today. No. Um, but we do get a lot of questions about uh, sexual honesty. And today we're going to be answering or try to answer the, the question, like, how do I get birth control without everybody knowing? Um, and this is another one of those questions that came in without a ton of context. So Spring and I are going to build that for you. Um, how do you get birth control without everyone knowing? I mean, for me, that's one of the, those questions, like, uh, like, how do you handle the conversations and who do you have those conversations with and who should be included in those conversations. Um, and most of the time, it's not very many people. But unfortunately, we live in a world where sometimes it's many, many people, probably people who don't need to know anything about your birth control. And we're not just talking birth control pills. We're talking condoms and morning after and IUDs and implants and everything else that's part of that birth control decision. So how do you get your birth control without everybody knowing? I mean, I feel like this like just really sends me back to when I was first having sex and I feel like I would love for us to maybe share some of our experiences with this because I it, it's like such a hard time when you're just starting to have sex and you're trying to figure all these things out and you're afraid to have some of these conversations with people and you're afraid of who will find out certain things and I like just I just feel that like very intensely as we start to talk about this. Like it, my stomach starts to turn a little and I'm like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I, I, I mean, absolutely. When you start having these conversations, it is wild. And I have a wild story for you listeners. A little bit of my personal life here. Um, I believe <laughs> I was 15 and maybe 16 and, you know, like starting to become more sexually active. Um, and I had bought condoms, right? Because, you know, I wanted to be safe. That was my form of birth control. Um, men don't have a lot of options for birth control. You, you essentially have condoms. Um, so I bought mine and I wanted to keep them hidden from my parents because I didn't want to talk to them about it. I didn't want them to know that I was engaging in sex. Um, 
engaging in sex. I was having sex. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I had a whole bunch of pillows on my bed. Um, you know, gay meme, gay trope, whatever. I was like, a ton of pillows. And one of my pillows I had picked open just enough of the seam so that I could like tuck some of my condoms into the stuffing. Mm. And then my parents, I think it was my mom probably found them and took them out. Um, So then um, I had the very uncomfortable sex talk with my dad a few days later after they had taken my condoms away. Like, but don't you realize that by taking my condoms away, I'm not going to have less sex. I'm not going to still engage in the behaviors I want to engage in. It's just going to put me and my partner's at risk. But I mean, they didn't want to have that conversation with me. They didn't want me having sex, but they gave me a sex talk at the same time. It was really crazy. But uh, what did the sex talk include? What did uh, they tell you? It was just about like growing bodies and like, don't make (laughs) babies. And like, I I think that you don't quite understand what's going on with me and sex. But um, like after that, access to birth control was hard. And you know, when you're 15 or 14 years old, you know, buying condoms is already a challenge. The world doesn't make it easy most of the time. Um, and like now they're not expensive, right? To me as an adult, but 14 year old, you know, spending like $4 on three condoms. I was like, that's a, that's a big investment of my money and having that taken away, um, just like removed a lot of my options and choices. And I mean, I I felt really betrayed because I thought I was being responsible. And then, you know, my parents joining in this conversation, um, I don't know. I, it was just a, a, a really weird set of experiences for me. I don't even know if they remember. They have to remember, right? Probably traumatic <laughs> for them. Yeah, I know um, it can be really hard for parents to have this conversation with their children, you know, and I feel I feel that pain too, you know. I feel um, like it's really challenging to start having these conversations and, and no matter what age your child is, you know, to like try to talk to them about sexuality and to um, try, there's a lot of pressure on you as a parent, I think, to do a good job and to not mess up your kids' like opinions or attitudes about sex and to also like help them and you want to keep them safe and you also want them to be happy and you also don't want them to be at risk. And yeah, there's a lot of competing things there. And um So yeah, we're talking about like who should be involved in these decisions. And a lot of times, uh, you know, it seems like parents should be involved. Like if we want to say like ideal society, but then also if we're talking about realistic situations, a lot of times we're like, "Eh, maybe it's not the best. And we have to really examine each of these situations. And, you know, when I remember when I was young, I started having sex when I was 18 and I didn't want to talk to anyone about birth control. I didn't want to talk to my mom. I didn't want to like try to go through any health insurance type stuff. And so I was using condoms because I didn't want to have any other conversations. I was like, this is, this is a way I can access birth control. I could get them for free from a local nonprofit. And I was like, yeah, this is just what I'm going to do because I, so badly don't want to have to have any of these conversations. And my mom tried to talk to me about it. And I think she might've been very supportive. I'm not sure. She approached me when I was 18 and asked me if I was having sex. And I was, but instead of answering her truthfully, because I was so afraid of that conversation, I said to her, 
why were you having sex before you were married? Because I knew that that was like a value they had instilled in us was to wait until we were married to have sex. And so I turned that around on her and she said, no, but by the time I was your age, I was married and having sex on a regular basis. And I went, and I ran out of the room. (laughs) So you're telling me your mom got married when she was 18? She did get married when she was 18. Yeah. And she's still married to my dad. (laughs) All right, everybody. I'm not, I'm not being judgmental of Spring's mom. If you're listening, I still think you're great, but do not recommend getting married at 18 these days. Like, uh, what? That's that's not, that's not a fair fight either to have with your parents where they can be like, Hey, so like I waited until I was married. I don't even, I don't know any parents today who would even like want their kid to get married at 18. Like, no, no. have some fun, like figure out what you like, uh, explore and engage, uh, 18. Yeah. But I mean, I, I also want to say, you know, we talk on this show a lot about like, how to have these conversations and how to open things up. And also when I was 18, I, I was already trained in actually uh, sexual health counseling. I was working at the AIDS project and I was doing risk reduction counseling and talking about sex with my peers and with people older than me all the time. But I still couldn't talk to my parents about that. You know what I mean? So I just also want to emphasize, you know, we keep talking about like using these skills and learning them. And that still doesn't mean that you'll necessarily want to or be able to have some of these conversations. And I don't want to shame anyone for that. I want to just like emphasize like this is hard stuff. It's hard and it takes a lot of practice. And now can I talk to my parents about my sex life? Maybe. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm not even sure. I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think like, you know, Spring and I are both sex researchers as well. And, and in the United States, if you're from the United States, it's normal to ask people about their work and what they're doing and what their workday is life. Like my my family has never asked me about any, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, How's your sex research? Like it, it's off the table. Um, but I mean, sometimes I just bring it up anyway. And then it gets very <laughs> quiet very quickly. Uh, but no, these conversations, like Spring said, like, it takes practice and you have to work on them. And even if you're comfortable talking to your friends or strangers or future sexual partners, sometimes talking with your parents isn't that easy. But your parents don't necessarily have to be a part of that conversation. And I think that's what we should talk about right when we come back from break. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Sex Wrap. Today we're talking about conversations about birth control, who needs to know, who doesn't need to know. We've been talking about parents um, for the last 10 minutes. Like, (laughs) do you really need to have your parents be part of the conversation? Um, And the answer is, it depends. Um, There's a lot of it depends this episode. Uh, So if we look at it, it, and we're mostly talking about people in the United States where health insurance is based on your parents until you're 26 years old for a lot of people. So that means if you go to the doctor to get birth control uh, of various kinds, and I think we should talk about some of those kinds, like what we recommend, what doctors recommend. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this thing called an explanation of benefits form that gets either emailed or sent to your home. So if you go to the gynecologist because you want the birth control pill, 
a month later, your parents get something in the mail saying, hey, Andrew went to the gynecologist and he's trying to get some birth control pills. And it explains the benefits and it says like, you know, we cover this percentage. So it's just a technical document. But if you don't want to have that conversation with your parents, just like, you know, Spring said her parents tried to instill in her not having sex until you're married, right? If, you're, if you don't think they would approve, if you think there would be a problem, like you don't want them to get that letter. Um, so uh, if you're on your parents' insurance, it can be tricky. But the good news is there's a bunch of insurances, um, especially once you're 18 or older, uh, where there's all kinds of HIPAA violations where you can call them and be like, hey, um, I don't want my parents to to see that. I just want them to see that I went to the doctor and the percent that was covered. Um, and you can ask them to email that receipt to you. You can ask them to email that uh, explanation of benefits to a friend's house instead of your house. Like There are some things you can do, but that is dependent upon your insurance company. Um, I, started, I, I was trying to find a list or build a list. There are so many insurance companies um, that I, I couldn't figure out who did and who didn't. So you would need to actually call your insurance agency and ask, right? Which isn't easy. <laughs> right. I mean, you- I just want to emphasize, yeah, this is this is all a pain. This is all a pain. And it, it's really unfortunate, but it, that's kind of how the system works in the U.S. right now anyway. And, um, and I've done something like this before um, when I then finally did go on birth control. I did all of this to try to make sure, um, my parents didn't know I was on birth control and, um, and it was, it was a nightmare. I was like so anxious all the time. I was so worried something was going to go home. I was like constantly calling the health insurance companies. Um, and, and I remember like something did go home and then, and then I was just like panicking all the time. Uh, so, you know, this is an option and it doesn't always work. The things like accidentally get sent here or there. Um, so I like this as an option. And I want to talk about like these other options as well, because it, it, yeah, it's, it can be. And if that, if, if your parents are not supportive of you having sex in any way, shape or form that it can be really scary for them to find out like that. So I just want to acknowledge that, um, it's yep. not foolproof. And yeah, it does take, it takes a lot of like calling and trying to like manage all of that as well. If you have a really good doctor, that's another option where, you know, doctors can still file for reports and prescriptions and they can be a little vague in what's reported. So if you have a doctor that you're close to that you trust, that can be a way to handle some of that too. But um, if you're using your parents' insurance, you need to be pretty careful about it. Um, Also, if you're over 18 or if you're at college or if you're 21, um, if you're in those situations, you need to ask yourself like, well, why don't I want my parents to know? Or what about this conversation? Like, am I doing all of this extra over like cognitive overhead? Why am I spending so much emotional energy here where it should probably just be something along the lines of, hey, mom and dad, I'm an adult and I want to be safe, right? There's some other things that you can say about hormonal birth control if you're um, a woman or a trans man too, um, because it's used for a whole bunch of other really important health issues, right? It can be used for acne, polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, It can be used uh, for pain and period cramps. It can be used for uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, like on and on. Like there's a ton of stuff that it's used for. So very frequently you can, you know, say like, you know, I'm on birth control. I'm not using it for sex, even if you are. Um, And then (laughs) making sure that like, like there's a whole bunch of health benefits. This is one of those times where I freak out when someone tries to tell me like birth control should be illegal or women should be able to have access to it. I'm like, 
hey, hold up. It's used for a whole bunch of really important issues on top of not having a kid if you don't want to have a kid. Um, so sometimes there's some other things that you can do or talk about with your doctor um, and not even call it birth control. Just call it like, oh, it's my acne medicine. I take it every day at the exact same time. Like there's a lot of things that you can do. So you don't want your parents to know if you're a little bit older, you know, like most of our parents were having sex when they were young. And most of our parents just are just as uncomfortable and as embarrassed as we are because society tells us we're supposed to be. But there's nothing embarrassing, right? Your parents had sex. By the way, you're the product probably of your parents having (laughs) sex. Most of us are. Um, and, And you're having sex too. And it's fine. It's just normal. Like it's the most normal basic human thing. Um, and I think we all need to work on modeling those conversations. We're like, hey, it's just normal. You don't have, I don't want to know the details, but better to be safe and protected. And I really like what Andrew said about, you know, if you're a little bit older and you don't want your parents to know, examining that a little, I think that that does make a lot of sense. Like, like you're 21 that like I was 21 when I actually did go on birth control and I still just didn't want my parents to know. And I was just like afraid of that, but not for any good reason. Cause my parents have always been very supportive of me luckily. Um, and so, yeah, like if it's just like a little bit of fear or uncomfortableness and you're doing all this extra work to try to prevent them from finding out. Yeah. That's probably not worth it. It's probably easier. Um, I would give myself, my 21-year-old self, that advice <laughs> to say, hey, I need to go on birth control I'm, or I'm going on birth control. That That's pretty That's pretty much all I probably needed to say. I'm going on birth control. Yep. Yeah. But there are a lot of other options out there as well. Spring said like she started with condoms at the beginning because they're accessible and there are no conversations. Um, and it can be really hard to get condoms too. Like you can be really afraid of that process. Um, I have really good news for you. And we'll put uh, a link in the show notes. Um, a whole bunch of states across the United States will send you in discreet packaging to your house or a friend's house or a P.O. box. Like if you need to get something shipped, like you go to a safe address, um, essentially an unlimited supply of condoms. You can just have them delivered to the privacy of your own home, which is great. That really, There are things called condom deserts across the United States and birth control deserts. Um, some people live in parts of the country where there aren't very many stores or convenience stores, or you have to drive an hour to get to a Target or a Walmart or you know, the next center. Um, so you can have condoms really discreetly delivered to your house. Amazon has thousands of different kinds of condoms that you can order um, and have delivered to your house as well. So there's like lots of things that you can do, um, you know, for some of these other kinds of birth control. And the good news is um, for for hormonal birth control, typically you have to have a conversation with a medical professional, medical professional, whether it's a nurse practitioner or a doctor or a PA to get that prescription. Morning after pill and condoms as forms of birth control are available to everybody, everywhere. Um, so, you know, sometimes there can be some problems. We asked some questions on our Instagram about this. Uh, like someone said they had to go to 10 different stores to find the morning after pill. Um, but yeah. uh, it, it can be a challenge. Uh, but there's lots of kinds of birth control that are readily available um, to pretty much anybody without a prescription. The only conversation that you have to have is a click on Amazon or an uncomfortable checkout line at a grocery store. Like, like you can get lots of them everywhere. Now, when I get condoms and lube and things at the grocery store now, I always put it with the most awkward things like 
giant eggplants and zucchinis and I make small talk the entire time so the the cashier can't disengage from me <laughs> just so they feel awkward. I don't none of this stuff makes me feel awkward at all at this point. I feel very very blessed in my own um social awkwardness allowing other people to feel more awkward than me. Well, <laughs> I I love the ideas you know of sending things to a trusted person's house um if you're worried about the package coming to your house uh when you're not there or your parents intercepting it. Um but also you know, what Andrew is talking about going places to find what you need if you're going to buy them somewhere and bringing someone with you to do that. Like if you're feeling really embarrassed, like if you do it with a friend, like that actually makes it fairly easy. Usually it's like, oh, I'm going to buy this. We're going to walk up to the checkout line together. We're going to be talking like that removes a lot of that uneasiness. And so I'd also say if you're going somewhere and you're like looking for these things, like ask a friend to do it with you. And also like, encourage them to buy some, right? So you're actually helping each other do that, stay safe. And you can have, having conversations with your friends about this is usually a lot easier. That That's one thing people tend to feel pretty easy talking about their friends with is birth control and different options for birth control and asking them what they're using and things like that. So I would encourage you, yeah, go ahead, have those conversations and partner up and do those things together. And I want to talk about the states again for one second. It's important to talk to your friends. Um, In some states in the United States, you need parental permission to get a birth control prescription. Um, So we're going to put another link in the notes where you can click on it, click on your state and just see what the laws are surrounding it. Um, but on top of that, there's a newish company. It's called NURKS, N-U-R-X. Um, and what they do is they're a telemedicine, telehealth uh, provider where you make an online appointment with a doctor uh, and you can pay them directly uh, and they will send birth control directly to your house. And that works in 48 out of the 50 states. So unfortunately, if you live in Texas or Indiana, you can't have birth con- control shipped to you with telemedicine. But... Um, the only person that you would have to talk to then is your doctor who like nurse em- employs doctors and nurse practitioners. So like you make an appointment, you meet with them via telemedicine, uh, you figure out what's right through that conversation, and then you get a discreet package in the mail. And once again, you could have it sent to a friend's house um, as well. So you can get birth control through the mail in 48 out of the 50 states. So if you're a listener in Texas, I am so sorry. There are so many reasons not to have sex in Texas right now. And <laughs> this is just another one. Yeah. But um, we've been talking really about condoms and hormonal birth control, but there are some other really good options. So right when we get back from break, we'll talk about some of the top recommended forms of birth control uh, that come, you know, like with wild acclaim, both from women who use them, um, their partners and from the doctors who provide them. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Rep, everybody. Today, we are talking about conversations with birth control. How can you get it without your parents knowing? How can't you get? How can you get it without everybody knowing? And we've been talking about some strategies <laughs> along the way. We left out something really big. Title 10 uh, in the United States and Title 10 offices are all about providing people with that kind of health care. So if, if you have a Planned Parenthood that's close to you, um, most of the time, you can go to Planned Parenthoods in states, make 
um, an appointment and go in and you can pay cash on a sliding scale and get access to health services, birth control, STI testing, like across the board, Title 10 office and Planned Parenthood. And, you know, across the, the United States and across the whole world, there are lots of offices that do that kind of work. So, you know, if you don't want your parents to know, if you don't want to have a conversation with your family doctor because you might not trust them, these are the places where you can go. You're guaranteed anonymity, you know, confidentiality. You can talk to a health professional whose entire job is to keep you healthy and not pregnant unless you want to get pregnant. And then they'll help you get pregnant, right? They'll do both sides. They do, they do, they do sexual health care across the board. So I don't, I just didn't want to leave Title 10 and Planned Parenthood out of the conversation today. Planned Parenthood is flipping amazing. They've helped prevent so many pregnancies and kept so many people sexually healthy and safe. Like two thumbs up. If I had three, I'd give them three. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, some of these things that we're talking about is really if you don't have one of those offices nearby, right? Because I would say, actually, that's the first stop for most people. Um, And it's the easiest way to go about that in most cases. But we also know that there are a lot of places where people don't have a Planned Parenthood or a similar um, type of organization nearby. And then that's when we really have to get creative. That's when we have to say like, okay, what are the other options? How can we manage this? Um, And how can we make sure that I'm staying sexually healthy and I'm able to like take care of myself? And yeah, it's it's a lot of like piecing things together and trying to figure it out. And that's why it's also so important that we keep funding organizations like that because they do make it so much easier for so many people to stay sexually healthy and happy. All right. So we've been talking about the condom. We've been talking about birth control pills. Those aren't even, well, I recommend condoms because they present STDs. But if you don't want to get pregnant, and I know for a lot of young people, that's their primary concern, um, there are options that are much better than birth control, right? So if you don't know about birth control, you have to take a pill and you essentially have to take it at the same time every single day. And if you miss it, even by a few hours in either direction, it decreases in effectiveness. If you miss a whole pill, your chances of getting pregnant go up, you know, pretty high. And if you miss two in a row, like, and for a lot of young people, especially people who don't have ready access, like if you're keeping it a secret, you can't just like run out and get it. Or if you travel with your family, it can be really hard, right? Um, So we have these things called LARCs or long acting reversible contraceptives. That means you get it done to you. And then for a period of three years, all the way up to 12 years, you have really, really, really solid protection, um, better than birth control pills and better than condoms in preventing pregnancy. Um, And actually, most gynecologists, these are now their number one thing that they're recommending, especially for younger people. Um, So if you don't have good access, you could make a trip to a Planned Parenthood, have a lark inserted, and then, you know, not have to worry about pregnancy for up to and over a decade, depending on which one that you get. And those are reversible, so you can have them removed. Like if you change your mind at some point and you want to get pregnant, then that's easy enough to have one removed. Um, But it just really gives you that option of saying, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to think about it every single day. I don't have to think about insurance forms coming all the time. I really only have to think about this one time. And and Paragard, that's the one that lasts for 12 years. So it's inserted uh, into the cervix. And then for 12 years, you're essentially 99.97% chance of not getting pregnant. Uh, so like incredibly effective. Um, 
so there are a lot of different ones we can talk. We're talking about IUDs now. They're called intrauterine devices. Um, and we'll talk about implants in a minute as well. But IUDs, they're like little kind of T-shaped things that are inserted. You actually do have to go to a doctor or a nurse practitioner um, to have it inserted. So you can't do it at home. But And removed. And removed, right? Someone, you have to go to a doctor's office to get them removed as well. But they're incredibly effective. I was really excited to hear about Skyla. Do you know about Skyla, Spring? Tell me about Skyla. So Skyla is actually the newest of all of the different kinds of IUDs. Um, and it's smaller and easier to insert than the other ones. So it's a little bit less painful. We'll talk about the pain, the potential pain in just a minute. But it's inserted um, and it has a low dose of hormones as well. And it lasts for three years. So you have okay. it inserted. It's small. It's easier to insert. Um, and then the hormones in it, for most women, eventually either get rid of the period altogether. So you stop having your periods. You don't have to worry about that either, right? A plus, no period <laughs> and no pregnancy. Um, and, Not that uh, there's anything wrong with periods. Oh, no, nothing wrong with periods. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people, if they had the choice to have one or not have one, a lot of people would probably like, you know, say like, I would prefer not to. But we love periods here. So if you want to have your period, we will celebrate you <laughs> having your period. Um, but for three years, um, there's also the Mirena, uh, which it lasts for five years. Um, and there's a Kylina as well, but I don't remember how long she lasts. I'm just, I said <laughs> that she's a she. Sounds like Kylina, sounds like a does, she name to me. Um, but you get them inserted. And if you're interested in having one of these inserted, then you talk to your doctor, you know, about which one's right for you. And they can go through the pros and cons of each of them. You don't need to say like, I want this one when you walk in. They for sure can help walk you through that. So it's just kind of nice to know that like when you're thinking, about IUDs, this thing that's inserted and lives inside you for a while, that there are a lot of options. They're also changing, like Andrew's saying, this new one that's like even smaller, so less likely to feel this pain that some people experience, right? So when we're thinking about any any type of birth control, there's several options available. And so you just kind of have to say like, which one are you interested in general? Like, are you interested in one of these long lasting ones, long acting? And you say, okay, you know that when you go into your doctor and start the conversation that way. So we're just kind of saying like, you know, here's the different things to consider that you need to think about. And then there's all of these options falling within, within each of those. Yeah. So there's a ton of options. Um, so I, I just want to put it all out there. There's a lot of like uh, myths and rumors about IUDs, how they're either not effective or how they can impair future fertility. They don't do any of those things. Um, and then on the internet, people like to like spread horror stories about their insertion. Uh, well, let's say it was the most pain they ever had, or it was worse than childbirth. Um, now, if we actually look at the research, um, about 10% of women uh, who have them inserted say that there is no pain, you know, just minor discomfort um, during the procedure. About two thirds of women, right? So another, you know, 66% say that like the pain was similar to cramping during a normal period. So it wasn't that extreme. Um, and then like the remaining 15 ish percent of women say like, you know, I, I did have some pretty significant pain. Um, but a lot of times the people who report that pain are talking about insertions from like five or 10 years ago. Now, very frequently during insertions, they'll use some numbing cream or they'll give you some Tylenol to take ahead of time to sort of get rid of a lot of that pain. But I think even more important than that is if we look at the number of women who get uh, IUDs, who say that they would recommend them to their friend, right? And we're, overall, if we're looking at like marketing or anything else in the world, like this is a really great metric if someone really likes it. Like, would you recommend it to your best friend? <laughs> um, 
And between 80 and 90% of women who get an IUD would recommend it to their good friends. Like, this is great. I love it. Like, if you're interested, get one. Um, so Spring and I highly recommend them as well. We can't insert them for you, unfortunately. We're a different kind of doctor than that. <laughs> but if you're interested, you should talk to your doctor because it gets rid of all of the anxiety of pregnancy for up to 12 years. That's crazy. That, like, if you think about, you know, you want to like take a weight off your shoulders and you know if you're not ready to have children and you're having sex like that's a huge weight to take off your shoulders for a very long time and I think you know just knowing that like makes that a very attractive option because it's just like it you just don't have to worry about it anymore you don't have to think about it every day you don't have to take the pill you don't have to be so concerned about um this like this thing that can be very concerning day to day. And getting rid of that stress means that you're probably going to have better sex and have sex for good reasons as well, right? Like and, you can be more thoughtful about it. Yeah. And have better orgasms. You'll be more relaxed. Ugh. <laughs> if you do get an IUD, you should still use condoms though, because they do not protect or prevent um, any STI. And we have lots of episodes about STIs and how to prevent them, but IUDs are great, 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 great at preventing pregnancy. They are not great, great, great at preventing any of the STIs. So just make sure that you're still using condoms until you get tested with your partner. Um, there is one more LARP that I want to talk about today. Um, the major one that they sell in the United States is called Nexplanin, um, but it's just an implant, and it's this, this little plastic bar that they, you know, they put a little numbing cream on your inner arm, and then they put a tiny little cut, and they just kind of bloop, a little plastic bar inside of it. And it's really small. It's essentially the size of a matchstick, right? So it's, it's really tiny. Um, and it is the same level of protection as an IUD, and it lasts for four years, right? And that's like yeah. a super in-out quick, um, but it's a higher dose of hormones than any of the IUD birth control. So, you know, if you've been sensitive to hormonal birth control previously, or you're not sure you want all those hormones, you might not want Nexplan, and you might want something like Mirena or Paragard or Kylina, like one of the other ones. Um, but uh, it is the other major lark, really successful. A lot of women really like it. Um, and it's really a completely non-invasive, um, like there's no surgery. There's no, like, you don't sit in a funny chair. You don't have to take off your pants. You essentially roll up your sleeve and they can do the whole thing right in your inner arm there. And people can't see it. Like it's, it's essentially invisible as well. Um, so those, th those are the major larks, but there's a lot of other kinds of birth control as well. So if you've tried something and you haven't liked it, there's the patch, there's the pill, there's the ring, like on and on and on. The list continues. Like there's something out there that's good for you. So if we're talking about who should be involved in this conversation, it's definitely you, definitely me in spring. <laughs> just kidding. Just for today, me in spring. And your doctor, right? And, and hopefully you're going to a doctor who you know, is open to the conversation and is up to date that there are tons and tons and tons of ways where there's definitely going to be a kind of birth control that does exactly what you want, when you want, how you want to do it with the amount of effort that you want to spend on it. Do you want periods? Do you not want periods? Do you want, you know, what kind of protection? How much control? When do you want to reverse it? Um, there's something to do all of that. Uh and, you know, we were talking about like, you know, I don't want everyone to know type thing uh, today. And I think some people are also concerned about what their partner thinks and what their partner um, suggests and whether their partner should be involved in this decision. And I think that one's really difficult because I think it really depends on 
um, your age, how long you've been with a partner, how serious that relationship is, whether they necessarily have a right to be involved in that conversation. And, um, and, you know, we've talked a lot on the show before about whose responsibility it is, uh, to prevent, um, to prevent a birth from, or prevent a pregnancy from happening, right? And so for preventing a pregnancy, uh, should it all fall on the person with a uterus uh, to prevent that pregnancy? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> and um, especially when we're younger, it does. And um, these first relationships that we're having, these first sexual encounters are often not with, you know, this person that you're going to be with for a very long time. Um, even if, even if it feels like it's forever when you're younger, like (laughs) I'm going to be with this person forever. Um, it's probably not. And so these people don't necessarily have that right to be like really involved in that decision. And they should be also helping to prevent the pregnancy, but that doesn't mean that they get to choose what birth control is right for you. Um, and which option makes you feel the safest and the most protected. So, it's kind of a balance to start to think about, you know, when when it feels appropriate to invite someone into that decision making with you. So that conversation can be difficult, but hopefully, you know, you can practice it, practice it with your friends a little bit. Um, and each time you have it, it does get a little bit easier. You get used to the sort of awkwardness and then eventually it shouldn't be awkward at all, because at the end of the day, that conversation is about, you know, having fun, um, having fun without having kids. Right. And it and like, right, if you want to have kids, that's great. But we know most people when they're having sex, especially early on, the last thing that they want is a kid, right? And hopefully, you know, some of these conversations and some of these strategies that we've talked about today can get rid of some of that, you know, I don't want to have get pregnant stress. I do wish that there were more options for men. So men can be more engaged overall in the process. Um, I do a funny thought experiment sometimes with people though, especially my female students. Um, I asked them like, all right, so men, if there was male birth control, a pill that you would take uh, to prevent pregnancy, would you take it? And every single man in the class will be like, oh, yeah, I would totally take that. And then I say, all right, women in the class, would you trust men you were having sex with to take birth control to prevent pregnancy with you? And not a single one of them will raise their hand. Um, And that's because the consequences of, you know, unintended pregnancy mostly fall upon women in our society right now as well, Um, which is why this episode, you know, it really is geared mostly to women or, or, you know, we have some trans men listeners out there, hopefully some good information for you about uh, preventing pregnancy if you're having uh, sex with cisgendered men. But um, there are a lot of options out there, right? So you can go to Title IX, you can go to Planned Parenthood, um, you can get a good doctor, right? If you if you trust your doctor, you can use something like uh, nurx.com, N-U-R-X.com. Uh, depending on the state that you live in, you know, there are lots of states where if you're 16 years old, you can go to the doctor and get birth control and you're protected by HIPAA and the doctor is not allowed to tell your parents that you're getting it. It just depends where you live in the country. Yeah, so... That's a lot of information that we gave out today, but and we'll have yeah. some of, and we'll have some of those links to give you additional information, like where like a bunch of states you can get free condoms delivered to your house. We'll put that link as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely check out these links. I think for anybody, these links are exciting, um, and they're also great knowledge to have and to share for um, other people that you might know that are yeah. wanting to access different birth control options in different ways. So. Yeah. Have any final thoughts for today's episode, Spring? I mean, I just want to say that 
if you are trying to get birth control and it's like scary or it's causing anxiety, um, push through that. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of different options, a lot of different ways to go about that, that we've talked about today. So I encourage you to, uh, to stay with that, even if it feels hard because it's worth it. It's going to be worth it for your own peace of mind and for your, um, health and safety. So, yeah, it, ask a friend for help. Ask a friend for support. Even ask them to like to go to a doctor with you. Ask them to uh, be on the internet with you, looking things up. Like whatever, whatever you need. Ask for support and stick with it. Mine is just a, a war, a word of warning. Um, depending on the kind of birth control that you get, um, not all of them work immediately. So if you get like hormonal birth control pills, you need to take them consistently for multiple days or weeks uh, before they offer any protection. So just if you are just starting out and you're just starting a new kind of birth control, make sure you talk to your healthcare provider about like how long before you can have sex or how long until that you, you, you no longer have to worry as much about pregnancy. Um, and then the final the final thing I want to say is that it the human body for the vast majority of people is pretty good at making babies. Not all people, but for <laughs> most people. So even if you're using you know, all of your best judgment and you're listening to our episodes and you're getting condoms and, you know, IUDs. If there is semen introduced into a vulva, there is a chance of a pregnancy. It's just part of the human condition. Um, And we haven't had an episode about having those conversations like, what do we do? Um, Look for that coming up in February. I think that's when that's scheduled. Um, But uh, just just be thinking about like what happens, you know, even if we do everything right, if it doesn't go to plan, like what's our plan B? Um, yeah. So none of them are 100 percent. A lot of them are close. IUDs and next plan on are so close. And I think, yeah, we didn't even talk about today is um, doubling up on birth control methods. And by that, we mean um, using condoms with whatever other options you might be choosing. And that is going to op- using one condom. <laughs> we were talking about doubling up using one condom with another option, either hormonal or non-hormonal method is um going to really increase that efficacy. So increase the chances that you're not going to get pregnant. So also number one recommendation is condoms plus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that gets you almost to 100%, right? Yeah. Nothing is 100, 100, 100%. (laughs) Not even sterilization procedures get get people to 100%. Um, So just, just always be thoughtful, and and someday soon we'll have an episode where we'll talk a little bit about like what does that other conversation look like. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening today, everybody. Uh, we really appreciate your questions. Um, I'm really loving this new format where we have you know a series of questions, and uh, this month we were all talking about sexual dishonesty, but hopefully it will help you with your sexual honesty. <laughs> if you have any questions or follow up about this episode or any other questions about sex or relationships or sexual health, we'll really talk to you about anything at all. Um, you can email them to us where the sexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413IRAPID. Um, and you should definitely check out our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the sexwrap. That's wrap with a W. Bye, everyone. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too. Af- Music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate.
a sonic universe.